Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jenny and Zach. Good morning, everyone. How are y'all doing this Monday morning? Good? Oh, man. That's good. That's good. Um, I'm excited and I'm thankful. You want to know why? Because um, I just want to remind you all of an amazing truth that you and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And it's for this reason, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, what, is the, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in you, the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and he gave him as head over all things to the church the fullness which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all so father I pray right now in the name of your son Jesus Christ that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your word and that you would take my weak effort to teach and preach this text in Ephesians 1 verses 15 through 23 and that you would show off your spirit's power and your sufficient grace through my weakness open our eyes to see the magnitude of the way that the gospel has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A story was once told of a certain man who was a renowned collector of art. He read of an extremely rare piece of art that was unmatched in value. So he decided, the powerful man that he was, that he wanted to add this particular piece to his extensive collection so he asked his agent to scour the galleries of the world to find this masterpiece that he was determined to have at any cost. And after months and months of painstaking searching, the agent came back and reported to this distinguished art collector, well, sir, I have bad news and, and surprisingly some good news. I said, okay, give it to me. What is it? The bad news, I have looked everywhere 
and I can't find this masterpiece. And of all of the galleries throughout the whole world, it is simply not to be found. And he's like, okay, then what's the good news? He said, the good news is, when I came back, I did an inventory of your own collection, and I realized that this masterpiece that you've been lur- wanting me to look for, you already own. And I went, and I gathered it, and I dusted it off, and now it's hanging in the living room. Here, come, I'll show you. You know what, saints? I am convinced that if you and I were to take an inventory of what of our life of prayer this last month, and if we were to look at and even document um, our prayers in, over this past month and what we have been asking God for particularly, I believe that a majority of what we've been asking for is actually already yours in Christ Jesus. You see, last week we explored how we already have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And how our spiritual blessings are far greater and superior to any material blessings. We did a a survey of how um, our spiritual blessings encompass all periods of time, past, present, future. And they encompass all persons of the Trinity, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, this idea is so good. And Paul, after giving this uh, this, this jaw-dropping, soul-stopping uh, inventory of our spiritual blessings. After leading us into praise, praising God over these spiritual blessings, he leads us into the second half of chapter 1 of Ephesians. And he prays that our eyes would be opened to the full extent that we can recognize all that we already have. And just another way of reminder, the reason why we are walking through the book of Ephesians has to do with us walking through what it means for our identity in Christ as an overarching theme of traveling through identity, intimacy, and impact as a part of our overarching theme of abundant life this whole year. And you see, in summary, this prayer is one of two prayers in the book of Ephesians, and it's a prayer that provides a pathway for us To pray our way into abundant living by being awakened to the spiritual blessings God has already given us in Christ. So I could title this prayer then, A Prayer for Abundant Living. And so uh, there's two postures. There's the way that this prayer begins. And uh, they're going to come up on screen uh, of how to pray, how to pray for, to live in a life that, that is characterized by abundance, an abundant life. And so first is a posture of thanksgiving. So after Paul spends the first half of chapter 1 praising God for the spiritual blessings of Christ, he moves to praying for full realization over this amazing reality. And here's the thing. If I could summarize, friends, students, saints, beloved, if I could summarize the content of my prayer for you while you're here at Northwestern, it would be these words. I want you to know that as I look around this room, And as we have this opportunity to to gather every single day, I'm grateful for you. I don't say that lightly. I am so thankful for you. And 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 I pray that not just today, but maybe today could be a starting point for you. Maybe this prayer could be a catalyst that the lights of your understanding, the lights in your soul would turn on and you would get, begin to see how good you really have it as a follower of Christ. And that you would fully recognize all of who God is and all, that, all of who you are in him. And I, and I love how Paul starts off saying, for this reason, 
He says, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. What a, what a, what a shorthand description of, of what it means to be a Christian, that you have faith in the Lord Jesus, that, that he is your Lord, Savior, Shepherd, that you trust in him fully for life and salvation, for eternity. You put your life, and you're exchanging your life for his life. His life now lives in you. And then it says your love toward all the saints. That, I, that as the Apostle Paul was looking out at the Ephesian church, and as, as he was hearing reports, they were actually living out what Jesus said, that the whole world's going to know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And he's saying, you know what? I'm seeing that, I'm hearing that, and I'm thankful. And I want you to know that I see that, that I hear that here at Northwestern, and I'm thankful. And this, let, let this be a good, just by a good way of reminder, that it, it is so, uh, it is, it, it'll change your life if you begin to simply notice evidences of God's grace in the lives of other people. Paul, I love in all of his letters, even to the Corinthians, which is like, you know, the church gone wild. They were crazy. They were messed up. But he says, even, even, to, those, even to those Christians, even all the brokenness and all the messiness, he says, I praise God for the evidence of grace that I see in you. Because here's the reality, is that uh, it's, it's this, this first part of this prayer gives us an important reminder to recognize grace in others, because it's hard to be a selfish critic and a thankful intercessor at the same time. And so before you do anything, and all of the interactions and everything they do, we come to chapel, come to class, conversations with others, express thanksgiving, express gratitude. But I love the next thing that he moves for, it moves into, is this intercession for illumination. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. I want you to notice that Paul addresses how he addresses God, and again, how this prayer is Trinitarian, mentioning the Father of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some, some, some translations rec- translated the spirit of wisdom, referring to the Holy Spirit. Other translations say a spirit of wisdom. Either way, it's referring to the work of the Spirit and the life of the believer. But here's the beautiful thing about prayer. How many of you ever struggle with knowing what or how to pray when you're praying, right? Someone says, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Um, uh, and, and by the way, I love that Paul doesn't just say, I'm remembering you in my prayers. And then he moves on to the next thing. I love that he doesn't just say, hey, I'm praying for you. I love that we actually have the content of his prayer. And I love that the first piece of content of his prayer is actually a praise and a recognition of who he's praying to. Because who, having a revelation of who you're praying to is more important than how and what you pray. It's, it's actually the, it's the fountain from which everything else will flow. And I love that Paul, he dresses this prayer to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's, here's a name worthy of meditation, the Father of glory. But this is just more than a beginning of a prayer. It is Paul getting caught up in the heavenly reality of who God is. Paul wants us to get connected to God in such a way that when you and I pray, he knows who you are talking to is more important than what you are asking. And he prays here, though, for three main things that have to do with this, what we could call illumination. With the third, opening our eyes to the three other aspects of of what it means to live abundant life. First, he, he asks for a spirit of wisdom. That Paul is asking not just for a, a good Bible study, a seminar, a conference, another chapel. He's asking for the very nature of God to be branded on our heart. That a blasting breath of the wind of the Spirit would sweep over the Ephesian church, clearing out sin, doubt, and unbelief, and leave in its wake an awestruck worshiping people who truly know God. He says a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. That if, that if wisdom is really, it's, it's knowledge, it's knowing what to do with what you know. But he says that the, this, this spirit of wisdom and revelation, and that says so that we, some translations, I love it, it just says simply that you can know God better. 
This revelation, this is the idea of, of that we would fully know Christ, that the things that are hidden in him would be revealed, that we would have wisdom to know what to do with what they know. In other words, Paul is simply saying, let them know how much they possess your son, and then let them know what they should do with that knowledge. He's saying, let them wake up to who Jesus is, and let them put what they know into action. And by the way, however many of you, sometimes you're, if you're looking and you're longing for revelation, one of the things that I found that attracts revelation, or rather that, that, that postures you to receive revelation, is obedience to what God has already revealed. And so uh, obedience to what God has already said will attract further revelation into more of what he's already said so you can see more fully the magnitude of who God is and his blessings. But then he says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. And I love this. It, I mean, uh, did you know that your heart has eyes? Paul is saying that your heart can see. In the same way that we have physical senses, there are spiritual senses that are, we, are, we are spiritual people. Uh, and the essence of us, we are spiritual people, that we actually have eyes of our heart. And, and I love that what Paul's talking about here is what's referred to as the, really what we've, we've later titled, theologians have titled, the doctrine of illumination. And this, this simply put, illumination in, in a spiritual sense is turning the light on of understanding in some area. Illumination happens here through prayerful meditation to the Spirit-inspired Word. It's devoting ourselves to the study of the Spirit-inspired Scripture will lead to a Spirit-illuminated understanding. And here's the thing, prayer brings the inspiration of God's Word and illumination of actually understanding it together. Here's the big idea of this little section, is that Paul is praying that, that the Ephesian church are moving from the knowledge of their understanding to the knowledge of actual experience. I love one uh, pastor and theologian, Christian writer, J.I. Packer, says, says it this way. As by inspiration, he provided scripture truth for us. So now by illumination, he interprets it to us. Illumination is thus the applying of God's revealed truth to our hearts so that we can grasp as a reality for ourselves what the sacred text sets forth. You see, God is, God's mind is revealed to us in the scriptures, but we need Holy Spirit glasses to understand it accurately, deeply, and authentically, and, the, and how it actually intersects with our everyday experience. But this idea that, God, that, that, that Paul is asking for the Father of glory, he's asking specifically that the lights would turn on, that Holy Spirit glasses would be given for them to see three things. And we're going to look at those for the remainder of our time. The first one is this. He says that the, this could be called the three what's. The three things, specifically. You want to know what to pray for, for yourself, for everyone else you know? Pray these things. Pray that the Holy Spirit would turn the lights on, would give glasses, would give a spiritual sight, that, they light, that, that, that your heart would be enlightened to see these things. The first one, it's the hope of our calling. Because we are a people of promise. You see, we have a promised position in Christ for all of eternity. He says that you may know the hope to which he has called you. You see, there's both a, a present and a future application to this hope of our calling. First, the hope of our calling, it begins with us coming into relationship with Jesus Christ, with being saved, forgiven, redeemed. But second, the hope of our calling is not only about something that begins with Christ, it continues forever with him. For knowing him is everlasting life. And so there, and Paul would say later in Ephesians 4, 4, that there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. 
In other words, that God has a hope, he has a purpose, he has promises for you to walk in in the here and now. Hope says to us, hope says to us this morning that, our, that the best days are actually ahead of us, they're not behind us. That, that, that it's, it's a faithful, it's, a, it's an expectation that of better things to come, that begin the moment that you meet Christ, but only continue to get better all throughout eternity. When you recognize this hope of your calling, this gives a perspective for you to be able to stay the course with, with honesty and with integrity, with faithfulness, knowing that God has a call uh, for you both here and the now, but ultimately this finds its fulfillment in the age to come. I love how Peter, First uh, Peter says this, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, and here's the idea, is that our hope isn't, isn't, isn't just some wishful thinking. Our hope is a person. We're born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You know what I love that when you think of the hope of the calling, the way that I could illustrate this, even from a, use a biblical illustration case study, look at the life of Abraham. How God called this one man from being a, a pagan idolater to being a patriarch and a worshiper of Yahweh. And, and, and then through this one man leaving everything, going to a, an area unknown that would be yet to show to him that God would give birth to a family from which he would give a global blessing that ultimately finds its fulfillment in Christ. So often the hope of our calling is that we, we don't know what that next step looks like, but we know that God is already there and he's going to meet us and continue to shepherd us through day by day. Hope is faith standing on its tiptoes with this expectation, okay, what's next, God? What's next? What's next? Here's a new day. It's Monday, September 30th. Okay, what do we got? What do we got? What's going on? You should have a hopeful expectation and excitement and enthusiasm because of the hope of your calling. Secondly, Paul prays for the riches of his inheritance because we are a people of possession. He says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? You know, it's so easy sometimes when you just kind of read, when you read scripture, uh, I want to encourage you, read it slowly. I so often read it too swiftly and you miss the details and the glories and the details. Notice I used to think that reading, reading this, what it was referring to was our inheritance in the Lord. And the riches that we do have in him, which, however, even though that's true, we do have a glorious inheritance in the Lord, but this is not what Paul is praying for. Paul is praying that the eyes of our hearts will be open to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This is truly amazing because this is referring to you and I. And why would Paul pray for us to know Jesus' inheritance in the saints? Because he would recognize that while many people in this world define themselves by what they possess, their possessions. We are ones who are ones who are defined by being his possession. We belong to him. And, I, I, and the best way to illustrate this is to open our eyes to see this in light of another prayer that already was prayed by Jesus, our great high priest. In John 17, listen to this, tune in. He says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
He says, as Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. You know, this is truly amazing. God, completely sufficient in himself, needs nothing, yet he intensely yearns for certain things. Jesus did the unthinkable. He asked God the Father to give the redeemed of the human race, the highest possible pleasure, to behold the unparalleled splendor of God in Jesus and to feel the same love that the Father has for his Son. Jesus wants to share the most glorious thing that he has himself in all of his glory and in all of his love. This, saints, this, beloved, is the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints in us. And here, Paul wants us to realize that we are people who both possess God and are his possession. We are both the people who have Christ as our treasure and inheritance, and we are, in turn, his treasure and his inheritance. So I love this. This is why the the first two things here, talking about our hope of our calling, that we are his glorious inheritance, really summarize the idea uh, of God's grand story to bring a people back to himself through his son. But this is why we need to know the, sec- the third and the last thing Paul's pr- Paul prays for that we would know, that we would know the greatness of his power, that we are called to be a people of power. Paul's third request is for the Lord to give believers a living understanding of the greatness of God's power. Notice that he doesn't pray that the power would be given to the believers. He prayed that they would know the power already given to them in Christ Jesus. This prayer is asking for a divine awareness of the power granted to believers to live the life that he's already called us to for his glory. We already have everything we need to live life abundantly. So a limitless God with limitless power and ability has graciously graciously given to all believers access to his power. And he does this and he says, he applies it this way. He says that, he says that according to know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And then it says that he gives this analogy according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead. Okay, we maybe have heard this a lot. Just pray. Here's where, here's where we, need to, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit glasses to see the magnitude of this. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. It lives in you and me. Why? And, it, and this power is not an it. It's a he. It's a person. It's Jesus The Spirit of Christ lives and dwells in you and me. And here's the thing, friends, I often ask myself, if I I often ask for things that the Lord has already given to me. I already, I I ask for power over this, power over this. I pray, Lord, please help me with this, please help me with this. Lord, please help me prepare this message. Please help me to blah, 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 blah. And the power is already there. We need to have, we just have our eyes open to have access to it. But here's the thing. I so often settle for a Christianity light version when I, when I don't recognize that the full version has already been paid for and I've been given a lifetime membership. And so this full access pass to the power of God is this divine power that's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness that we have power to evangelize, we have power to endure suffering, that we have power to do his will, that we have power over Satan's sin and and, and temptation. 
And the point that Paul is driving is that God's power is greater than any of our problems, our insecurities, our weaknesses, our circumstances, our doubts, our fears, and our sins, or anything else that would hinder us from walking in the fullness of his perfect will and plan for our lives. And he goes on to say, and I love it even as we're, we're running low on time, that this idea of, of, of the power of Jesus, it just continues, it just keeps going, and it, and it and explodes in a final crescendo of praise. That it was, that it was him that was seated at his right hand. Later, next chapter, what we'll get to eventually, is that we're actually seated there with Christ, in, at his right hand in the heavenly places. And that, the, that our King Jesus has overcome death, the devil, and the power of sin. Is there anything else that's too hard for him to do? The phrase that I've been meditating on comes from the, from the old hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. And I love it says this, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. Pray for the Lord to awaken your heart, to bring light to this amazing truth that you can see and savor it and live in light of it. You know, this prayer is both limitless in its application and it's timeless. I want to invite you to pray this for every single person you know. Pray this today. I want to encourage you, here's here's a simple takeaway application. Commit this prayer to memory and then just pray it. When I'm walking through campus, even right now, Lord, I'm saying, Lord, Father of glory, Give a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I can know God better, so they can know God better. May we know the hope of our calling. May we know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And may we know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Oh Lord, help me believe in this. Help me to see. And here's the thing. If we pray this prayer, which is perhaps one of the most important prayers we could ever pray, I believe and I am convinced that you and I will taste of, on a daily basis, abundant life. And here's the beautiful thing about this prayer. It'll never be fully answered. Because starting not only here on this side of eternity, but in the next side of eternity, in all of eternity, we will continue to be blown away. And our eyes will be more and more open. The Holy Spirit will continue to illuminate our understanding. Even though we will see Jesus face to face, and we will know him fully as we are fully known, that we will actually spend the rest of eternity getting to know God more. And so in closing, I want to invite you to do this with me. Would you stand? And I want to reread this prayer as a prayer for us this morning. So let's receive, let's receive this prayer as a prayer of blessing as we go from here. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you every time I prayed. I'd think of you and give thanks, but I do more than thank, I ask. I ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do, that you would grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from the galaxies to governments, no name and no power except from his rule. And not just for the time being, 
but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So Lord, may it be so for each of us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.